We've been looking at the book of Matthew. We're in lesson 37. In the middle of chapter 12 of the book of Matthew, we've been focusing for the last few weeks on verses 22 through 37. And we focused on various elements and concepts contained within these passages as how they relate to the community and to us personally. And this week I want to put them all together and see just what Yeshua is telling the people who are gathered here that day. The whole discourse centers around an accusation that the Pharisees have brought against Yeshua. And so let's read the accusation first. Verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Yeshua healed him so that he could both talk and see. And the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? And so what brings on the discussion we're about to put into perspective is that Yeshua is healing and delivering a demon-possessed man. It says only healing here, but we later find out in the, in the passage that he delivers this man from a demon as well. And what we learn here is something that we've seen in other passages before. Demons cause illness in the host. They are bent on the destruction of men. Nowhere in scripture do you hear of a demon doing anything good. They're always doing evil or hurting men. They're not capable of doing good. And that's a point that Yeshua will confirm as we continue on in this passage. Notice that it says, could this be the son of David? Well, if you look at the Greek, it would be better rendered, this couldn't be the son of David, could he? See, that's a small point, but, seems like a small point, but the doubt of the crowd helps elicit this negative discourse from the Pharisees. Because the way it's translated, we only see the doubt of the Pharisees. The important thing to see here is that they're calling into question whether Yeshua is the son of David or we could say whether Yeshua is the Messiah because the son of David is the Messiah. And this will be important to the discourse as Yeshua presents it. The discourse will be over whether or not Yeshua is the Messiah. That's the ultimate topic here. The king of the kingdom on earth. Now the response is one that you hear frequently. It says this, But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. And so what the Pharisees do here is they attribute this healing, this deliverance to Hasatan. In Hebrew, it's Hasatan. In, in English, it just means the adversary. Now, we spoke last week about blasphemy. And most people don't have a very good idea of what blasphemy is. We found that blasphemy is just slandering someone. It can be God or it can be man. You can slander another person's character. You can blaspheme someone else. If you say untrue things that damage a person's character, you've blasphemed that person. We have an erroneous idea because this word blasphemy, people just don't look up Greek words to find out what they mean. But if you look up the word, it's not God-specific as most people think. If you say things that diminish God, then you blaspheme God. If you say things that diminish man, then you've blasphemed man. 
And something Matthew makes clear, and Luke as well, is that Yeshua was a man. Yes, he was the Son of God. Yes, he was of divine birth, and the Spirit overshadowed Mary. But he came into this world to be a man, tempted in every way like us. He came into the world to intercede to re- so that he would be able to relate to men, to identify with men. And so you have to ask yourself, then, where did he get the power to drive out demons and heal disease? Well, it's because the Spirit of God empowered him. It comes upon him before his ministry begins. He goes into the Jordan. He's immersed by John. He comes up out of the water. And the Spirit of God descends upon him like a dove and his ministry begins. So Yeshua is a man who is empowered by the Spirit of God. And don't get me wrong, that does not in any way take away from who he is or what he did. It just makes it more impossible to believe that one who was with God at creation, who had glory with God before the world even began, would become a man to save men. The book of Hebrews makes this perfectly clear. It says this in chapter 2, verse 9. He says, But we see Yeshua, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. You know, I want to take a short little rabbit trail here to say that, you know, there are some teachers out there that want to tell you that this book of the Bible or that book doesn't belong in the Bible. Hebrews is one of those books. There's a two-house teacher named Monty Judah who would have you believe that this book of Hebrews really isn't part of the Bible, shouldn't it isn't inspired by the Word of God. Let me say he's a good guy to keep away from in his teachings as well. You see, here's what the problem is. Men like him want you to throw out books like Hebrews as being truth because maybe they, he, they say they're not inspired. But then they turn around and want you to believe every word that they say is absolute truth. And the sad thing is, people fall for it. Listen, if you listen to these people, you can throw out the whole Bible. Christians want you to throw the Torah away. Other people want you to throw the prophets away. Some people want you to throw Paul away. He wants you to throw Hebrews away. And when you're all done, you're on your own. Don't do it. Listen, the Bible is what it is. And you may not like all of it. You may not understand parts of it. There may be parts of it you'd like to ignore. But it's the Word of God. And until God speaks to me in an audible voice to the contrary, the whole of the Bible is inspired by Him. You know, the reason is simple. Because God changed my life through the Bible. The Spirit spoke to my heart and taught me through each and every book of the Bible. And that's how the Spirit works. You read, He teaches. Amen? So, that's the rabbit trail. But here's the amazing thing. Here's this amazing book of the Bible. And here we're told that Yeshua came into this world lower than the angels. The angels, like Yeshua, received their power from God. And so He's a man. He's empowered by the Spirit of God. Now think about this. The highest call of a disciple of Yeshua is to walk through life in His footsteps. We are to live lives as He did. We're to live lives in His shadow. Well, in order to do that, we have half of the equation right. We're all men and women. That's the easy part, right? The other half, not so much. 
We have to be led by the Spirit. Yeshua, through His redemptive work, because we are forgiven and we've been made pure through His offering, has given us the possibility of being led by the Spirit of God. But we have to listen. Understand that walking as Yeshua requires uh, and that we live lives through the leading of the Spirit. It means that when we read Torah, we have to read it through the lens that the Spirit of God provides in our hearts. You know, it's why I teach people when they come in here, you don't need me to go home and show you how to eat biblically. If your heart is open to the Spirit of God, He'll teach you through conviction. Conviction is the Spirit of God tugging at you to change. If you read pork is unclean and not food for God's people, and then the next time you're in the supermarket getting ready to buy those baby back ribs, those words of Torah come back to you. That's the Spirit of God tugging. Now it's up to you. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to obey? Or are you going to go on in your disobedience? The hardest thing in the world to teach because as it pertains to the Word of God, while I say that, you have to understand we still need teachers. We still need teachers who will carefully restore understanding to God's Word for us. We need to listen to them. But those teachers don't need to hold our hands while we shop and cook. Or help us, uh, help teach us how to treat our spouses. Or honor our spouses. The Spirit of God will convict us of that. And that's why scripture says he gave some to be teachers, but it also says that his spirit will lead us in areas of our personal lives. And so Yeshua is led by the spirit. And here is the point as it relates to blasphemy. These Pharisees have just blasphemed Yeshua the man. In order to discredit and separate him from these people who have come to see him. To convince them that he's not the Messiah. They are saying that he himself is doing these works by the power of Hasatan. So understand that he is a man and they blaspheme Yeshua the man. And that's why he says to him. And so I tell you that every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. And later he says anyone who speaks a word against the son of man will be forgiven. What they haven't thought about is they just blaspheme God as well. The Spirit of God. They have said to those present that what the Spirit of God had done through Yeshua was actually done by Hasatan. They've attributed God's glory to another and diminished the Spirit of God. And that's why he'll later say, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. This is why, as we walk through life, we need to be extremely careful when criticizing a ministry or a preacher. He may do some things that you you doubter of God. He may do things that are not in keeping with your theology. He may lay hands on someone and they're healed on the spot. And you may think it's all fake. And it may very well be all fake. But if it wasn't, and it was the Spirit of God, you just spoke against it, just like the Pharisees did. And you're going to have the same problem. There's a flip side to this coin as well. If you attribute things that God is not doing to God and they diminish Him, you also blaspheme God. When bad things happen to people and you attribute those bad things to God, 
How could God have done such a thing? How could he allow that to happen? You've all heard people say, you know, if, if, if that's what your God does, I don't want anything to do with him. Well, that's blaspheming God as well. When you say the Spirit of God told me this or that, or the Spirit of God said do this or do that, and the Spirit of God didn't tell you that, when you prophesy in the name of God things that, that do not happen, you diminish God. Not a good idea. And one that will be punished severely. As Yeshua said, it will not be forgiven in this age, nor in the age to come. So it's something we need to be careful for. Listen, you know what the moral is? is we talked about it last week. Bridle the tongue. Remember what the rabbi said? The little, the little quip, quip from the rabbi. Of all things that I've experienced in life, nothing compares with silence. I would add to that, there's nothing more spiritual than silence. Yeshua gives his detractors an answer that is so wise and so convicting that it just leaves them speechless. And his argument will go something like this. Point number one. Listen, there's only two kingdoms. And you serve one or the other. There is no gray area. There's black and white. There's nothing in between. There's pure or impure. Guilty or not guilty. And, if, and so you have that right. I have driven out demons by the Spirit of God or else by Satan. There's only two kingdoms that you can serve. Second, if I drive them out by Satan, how is it that Satan fights against himself? How can he fight against himself? How can the good that I do be from one who does no good thing? And third, if I drive them out by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is present. And what you have just said, I am the Messiah, is true. And so why are you fighting against me? Fourth, to finally prove his point, he tells them a parable about a strong man and plundering a strong man's house. And then fifth, after he's effectively made his points, he rebukes them. And we get our verses on blasphemy. Now let's look at this a little deeper. Let's just go through these verses carefully, a little more carefully. Verse 25 says, Yeshua, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. And so the Pharisees, they've come to him, they accuse him of doing miracles through the power of Satan. And Yeshua is so wise in his answer, he turns the whole accusation right back on them. He says, first, can Satan fight against himself? The adversary of God, as I said before, he does no good. He does not set people free. He binds people. He does not save people. So if Yeshua just released this demon-possessed man and healed this demon-possessed man and released him from one of the adversary's minions, how is it that Satan could have done this? Because it would be fighting against himself. Will the one who's trying so hard to destroy men actually help men? And then he turns the argument and he says, 
If the good I do is by Satan, whom do your people do good by? If the good I do is of Satan, by whose power do you do good? You see, I want you to see one thing in this passage. Yeshua is leaving no compromise. Who do your disciples cast out demons through? The adversary or the Spirit of God? And the answer is obvious. The Spirit of God, if it was a good thing, because Satan does not fight against himself. The Pharisees are not going to accuse themselves of magical art or doing things by the power of demons. So this, you know, it effectively silenced them. In verse 28 it says, But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Yeshua says, The only other option is that I've driven out demons by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God is here, then the kingdom of God is here. And in essence he's saying, Why are you fighting against it? The kingdom of God is here setting people free. Not only is the kingdom of God, but he answers that question about the son of David. The king is here. Remember, the whole discussion started because the people said, this couldn't be the son of David, could it? We could say it this way. This couldn't be the king Messiah, could it? The kingdom is coming, so why do you fight against it? Now he gives a short parable, and I like this parable. He says... Again, can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong men? Then he can plunder his house. And so in this very short parable, uh, he gives us an answer. And it's always good to identify the elements of a parable. Find out what Yeshua meant. What, what, What were the elements? And if you fail to identify the elements or replace the intended elements with your own, well, then you'll never understand the passage. Right? So the elements are these. The strong man is Hasatan. Belzebub, which is another name for Satan. Who is a strong man? He's the ruler of the present evil age. The house is the kingdom of the world. This age, Satan's kingdom. The possessions are the people he's in control over. Like the man Yeshua just freed. The one who enters the house is Messiah Yeshua. He's able to plunder the house because the kingdom of heaven is upon him and Hasatan cannot stand against it. Yeshua has bound him and can plunder his kingdom at will. It is why he just spoke the words and demons obeyed. In essence, Yeshua is saying, if there's any doubt, I do the things by the power of God and I am the Messiah. I've just freed one of Hasatan's captives, taken his possessions. And then he says again, leaving no gray area, no black or white, no pure or impure. Just I've come to release the captives and you have just seen that. And he says in verse 30, he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters I do these things because I am Messiah I am the king the kingdom of heaven is here and those who are with me gather and those who are against me scatter so why are you scattering if you do not gather my people with me then you scatter my people and that's exactly what the Pharisees are attempting to do now listen to the rebuke 
And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. We spoke enough about this last week. They've spoken against Yeshua the man, the king, the son of David. That's forgivable. But sadly, they also spoke against the Spirit of God. They stood there and they watched the Spirit of God heal and deliver and attributed this wondrous thing to the Satan, the adversary. And that is not forgivable, neither in this age nor in the age to come. Now the next question should be, well, if Yeshua is king of the kingdom, he is the son of God, how is it that they could speak a word against him and be forgiven? And yet not be forgiven for speaking against the spirit. How can that be? Aren't they all one? Well, Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 says this, it is impossible For those who have been enlightened, who have once tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. You see, here is our answer. Once you've been enlightened... And Yeshua, when he walked on the earth, he did not reveal his divine nature. In fact, he did his best to conceal it. Go, don't tell anyone what I've done. And so if you look at Yeshua's life on earth, or you read scripture of his healings and his miracles, and you say, he was a wonderful man, a godly man, but not Messiah, and not the divine Son of God, as one of the rabbis we looked at a few weeks ago, Professor David Flusser, did. That's forgivable. But if you've known Yeshua personally, if you've accepted the divine gifts and then fall away, then as scripture says, you've fallen into the hands of the living God. And that's not a good thing. When it comes to sin, intent and knowledge are everything. Shaul makes this clear in his letter to Timothy. He says this in chapter 1 and verse 12, I thank Messiah Yeshua, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Messiah Yeshua. So here's what Shaul tells us, that he spoke against Yeshua. He blasphemed Yeshua in ignorance. He had never known or experienced his saving grace. He was the persecutor of those who followed Yeshua in the same ignorance before the Damascus Road experience. And all of that was forgiven, just like Yeshua said. And he served God from that time forward. If, however, he had turned again to do those things again, were that possible, and I don't believe it would have been, that would not have been forgiven. So, what do we say then? 
Because, you know, we often have people come among us in, in other Messianic congregations, we've all heard of this, who come in and they're here for a year or so and then they turn and they renounce Messiah and they go down the street to the Orthodox synagogue. Where do they stand? Well, I'll tell you some good news. That's God's responsibility and we're not to be the judge of that. And I don't want to be the judge of that. And don't let yourself become the judge of that through your mouth. Because you're going to be judged for every word you speak. But I can tell you from my own life that I don't think that God fails. And if you've accepted Him, I personally do not think that He will ever let you go. He does not fail. If you've once tasted the love of Messiah and His setting you free from this age, I find it hard to believe that you could turn from Him. Or that he would let you go out of his hand. And so for me, when I see someone renounce Yeshua, my feeling is they never knew Yeshua. Some of these people have even gone on to be with Jews for Judaism and so forth. So that they are out not only renouncing them in their own life, but they're out testifying to other Jewish people. Trying to get them to turn away from Yeshua. And I have to say this, unless they repent, it does not look good for them. The reason I think that they were ignorant of the Messiah in the first place is because of my own life. You know, many of you have heard my testimony how I was eight years old and I had this powerful experience with God, the saving experience with Yeshua. And how I, after that, I really didn't walk with Yeshua. I didn't follow Yeshua. I didn't become a disciple till I was almost 40 years old. Instead, I went my own way. But I want you to know that during that time, I had friends who hated Christianity. Who spoke terribly of Jesus? Denied God. But in all those years of listening to those voices and arguments against Yeshua, I never once opened my mouth. I always got really silent. Because I knew. And there was a small voice within me telling me that there was Yeshua. You knew Yeshua. And He was the Savior. And that's why I say, I don't think it's... I, 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 I say this, not only is it impossible to be renewed, as Hebrews says, but I also say that it's impossible to be taken out of the hand of God once you are sealed. He will not let go of you. And that leaves me with only one possibility for these people who seemingly know him and renounce him, and that's that they never knew him. And Yeshua says, on that day, many will come to me and say, and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, if that weren't enough, Yeshua gives them another good rebuke. He says this. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. The good the man brings, good man brings good things out of the good he has stored up within him. The evil man brings evil out of the evil that's stored up within him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. Harsh words for the Savior, right? Harsh words for the Savior, not kind words you would expect coming from the Savior, right? Not the compassionate and merciful Savior, the wonderful counselor and friend, these harsh words. 
Well, Yeshua is all of that. But he's also wise beyond our understanding. He's merciful in the face of repentance beyond our understanding of mercy. But in the face of rebellion, contempt, in the face of those who would scatter, there is no mercy shown until repentance is seen. And again, if we're to walk as Messiah, then our walk must be the same and our judgments must be the same. We show mercy in the face of sorrow and repentance and we must stand firm in the face of sin and disobedience because that's the pattern Yeshua left us.